Thank you, Terry. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Saturday Night Service. Good to see you guys. Let's all stand as we open by the reading of Psalm 94. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. And the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Let's stop there and pray. Father, this world is a world full of anxieties right now, Lord God. It's in chaos. And we want to come tonight in this place to be in the stillness and the peace of your wings, Lord God. Tonight in this place, I pray that you would transport us to meet with you, Lord God. Transform our hearts, God, as we worship you. I pray that we would all be met by your spirit and that we would respond in a way that you would delight your heart tonight in this place, Father. So we give you this time, ask you to prepare our hearts for your word, for this time of worship, we pray. And all of God's believers agreed by saying, amen. Why don't you guys turn around and say hello, and then we will worship. called sin and shame they were like prisons that we couldn't escape but he came and he died and he rose those walls are rubble now remember those giants we called death and grave they were like mountains that stood in our way but he came and he died and he rose those giants are dead now let's sing together this is our god this is who he is he loves us and this is our god this is what he does he saves us he bore the cross beat the grave let heaven and earth proclaim this is our God, King Jesus. Oh, that fear that took our breath away. so weak that we could barely pray, but he heard every word. Now those altars in the wilderness Tell the story of His faithfulness Never once did He fail And He never will This is our God This is our God This is who He is He loves us This is our God This is what He does Saves us. He pulled the cross, beat the grave, 
Let heaven and earth proclaim This is our God, King Jesus Who pulled me out of that pit? He did, He did Who paid for all of our sins? Nobody but Jesus who rescued me from that grave? Yahweh, Yahweh. Who gives the glory and praise? Nobody but Him. This is our God. This is who He is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what He does. He saves us. He bore the cross, beat the grave. Let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God, King Jesus. He bore the cross, beat the grave. Let heaven and earth proclaim, this is our God, King Jesus. song to learn tonight. I believe. I believe there is one salvation, one doorway that leads to life, one redemption, one confession. I believe in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe in the crucifixion, by His blood I have been set free. I believe in the resurrection, hallelujah, His life is destined. All praise to God the Father, all praise to Christ the Son, all praise to the Holy Spirit. Our God has overcome The King who was and is And evermore will be In Jesus' mighty name I believe Sing, I believe in the hope of heaven I believe in the hope of heaven. He's preparing a place for me. Far beyond what hearts imagine, ears have heard or eyes have seen. I believe that a day is coming. He's returning to claim his bride. Light the altar, keep it burning. See the Lamb who rose a roaring lion. All praise to God the Father, all praise to Christ the Son, all praise to the Holy Spirit, our God has overcome, the King who was and is and evermore will be, 
shape of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life? And though I'll never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how could I ever walk away the one who saved my life, and though I'll never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life? And all praise, all praise to God the Father, all praise to Christ the Son. All praise to the Holy Spirit, our God has overcome the King who was and is and evermore will be. In Jesus' mighty name, I believe. All praise. All praise to God the Father. All praise to Christ the Son. All praise to the Holy Spirit, our God has overcome. The King who was and is and evermore will be. In Jesus' mighty name, I believe. Yes, I believe. Amen. Father, we believe. We believe in the hope that you have to offer us, Lord God, the peace that you have to offer us, Lord. And as we worship you now, as we enter this time, Lord, I pray that you would free our minds of distractions, Lord. Help us to just give you the attention that you deserve, Father, in your name. Amen.
healing lives heal hope found here now Jesus you change everything chains fall
my God When I in awesome wonder Consider all The worlds thy hands have made And I see the stars And I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe display then sees my soul my Savior God to thee and how great thou art how great thou art then sees my soul, my Savior God to thee. And how great thou art, and how great thou art. How great thou art This is my soul My Savior God to thee And how great thou art And how great thou art God to thee and how great thou art and how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee and how great thou art and how great Amen. Let's continue worshiping tonight and welcome Dominic Bali. Good evening, everyone. There will come a day. Come a day 
land, oh, we beg for bread. We could feed each other, but we fight instead. When will this so end? Will it ever end? Fire in the hallway, blood at our feet. Everybody's running from a bomb in the street. Oh, when will this so end? Will it ever end? There will come a day when we will be together and there'll be no more pain. Come that day, come that day, we will find a way through beauty and disaster. To that day, to that day, come that day. We'll lose our sons, we'll lose our lovers Hold so tight but lose each other When will this all end? Will it ever end? When the child and the lion lay in peace No victim, no enemy No victim, no enemy hey, There will come a day and we will be together And there'll be no more pain Come that day, come that day We will find a way Through beauty and disaster To that day, to that day Come that day No more injustice and hate No more suffering Oppression and division will no longer be the way No more imagining Can you see what I see? Dreams are reality Can you see? Can you see what I see? There will come a day When we will be together Find a way through beauty and disaster to that day, to that day. Come that day, come that day. To that day, to that day. Come that day, come that day. That's going to be a good day, huh? Uh, this one goes all the way back to the beginning for me. If any of y'all been tracking along since 2008, this one's called Zion Mourns. On the rocky road, where all the streets are worn, while her daughter slaves, the road to Zion Mourns. The road to Zion Mourns. She called, but no one come. While her daughter slaves, the road to Zion. Ooh, yeah. All right. Ooh, yeah. Oh. In Babylon, by the river bank, 
We hung our song, we hung our name. Was I uncalled? She calls us home, but no one hears her. Voice is gone on the rocky road where all the streets are worn. While her daughter slaves, the road to Zion mourns. The road to Zion mourns. She called, but no one called. While her daughter slaves, the road to Zion. Ooh, yeah. All right. Babylon way, our capital sat. So tell us of Zion, sing us her song. How can we sing thee, Almighty song, in a foreign land where we have no song on the rocky road where all the streets are worn, while her daughter slaves the road to Zion mourns. The road to Zion mourns. She called, but no one comes. While her daughter slaves, the road to Zion. Ooh, yeah. All right. Ooh, yeah. Oh, Ooh, yeah. All right now. Ooh, yeah. Oh. For generations past, not a seed was sown. A hope was lost with a daughter's song. Till the Most High called and sang His song, called a princess home to her rightful throne on the rocky road where all the streets are worn. While her daughter slaves, the road to Zion mourns. The road to Zion mourns. She called, but no one called. While her daughter slays, the road to Zion mourns. Still on that rocky road, where all the streets are worn. She fights to keep her home until his kingdom come. And when his kingdom come, what was the rocky road will turn the streets of gold. The road was Zion more. You guys doing all right tonight? Okay. Because I'm going to need you to be doing all right for this next song, okay? I know it's a big room and there's just a few of us here tonight, but I'm going to need some crowd participation for this song, okay? Okay? All right. The prophet Isaiah wrote and said, the Lord is a warrior. He is like a, a man of war who shouts out with a triumphant cry of victory over his enemies. God is not at war with people, but he is constantly on our, half, on our behalf fighting against spiritual forces of wickedness in high and low places. That's where the battle really exists. And he's fighting on our behalf when he doesn't, man. So that, that means we get to stand in the victory of Jesus tonight. Amen. 
That means we are seated in the heavenly places with him, where he is far above all principalities and powers, and every name that is named both in heaven and on earth, all things are subject to him. And the Bible says in Ephesians that we are seated with him up there, where that victory is. Amen? So when I get to the chorus, it says, triumph cries out, a shout of victory. And when I say a shout of victory, I need y'all to just shout a shout of praise. The Bible says, to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. And so I want you to just lift up a praise, man. It can be a woo-hoo. It can be a whistle. It can be like a Jesus, you're amazing. If you don't know Jesus, by the way, and you're just here visiting, hey, you could do whatever you want, man. You can join in. It's all right. Just join us. Just join us. So when I say a shout of victory, I'd love it if y'all would make some noise. But here's the deal. You got to make double the noise because it's only a few of us in this big old room. So you got to go double. And if we don't get it right, I'm going to go back to the top and just start it from the beginning until we get it right, okay? All right, this song's called Warrior. When I say a shout of victory, y'all lift up a shout of praise. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. Say la. My God, when you came out before your people, marched through the wilderness, the earth shook below the heavens, stopped at your presence, dropped rain. Five thousand years, you're still the same. So when the enemy comes at me with tactics of fear and faith, like the Lord cracked the sky and it gave forth rain, so my enemies will be made of footstool before the king. One by one, the father's heavenly armies march and sing the Lord. He's a warrior who fights with all of his might. The enemy's frightened, his triumph cries. He becomes a shout of victory. Come on! Over his enemies, then he'll go forth the Lord. He's like a man who walk his light. Will shatter the darkness from night. His triumph cries. Yeah, there you go, packing house. That's pretty good. Well, the Lord is my shelter from my enemies. I will not fear what they can do to me. In the struggle, I find strength for the fight. Who we'll raise the banner higher till we break the night. Bound up with spiritual armor. But the weapons of this warfare are far from carnal, but mighty in God. For tearing down strongholds. Yeah, yeah. The Lord. He's a warrior who fights with the love of his mighty enemies, frightened his triumph cries. He becomes a shout of victory. Come on! Over his enemies, and he'll go forth the Lord. He's like a man of war, his light will shatter the darkness from night to triumph cries. Check it out. We fight in a fight for life. I'm grabbing my gun. I'm ready for battle. Said to love. I'm willing to pray for revival. Grabbing my Bible. The untouchable, untouchable, unkidnapable word is fine. No fight in a fight for life. Why? Because of my love with the Christ. Why? Providing eternity life. Why? Because of it love with the world tonight. I'm ready to go this time. Because of my life in Christ. Providing me life. So I fell on my gun. Was high. Had a night. Had a night. What? Had a night. What? Had a night. Get a night. Get a night. Yeah. Oh. 
All right, I need your hands together, everybody, like this. Yes, the Lord is a warrior. He'll fight with all of his might. The enemy's frightened. Just try and cry. A shout of victory. Come on. Over his enemies and he'll go forth. The Lord is like a man who wore his light. Will shatter the darkness from night. Just try and cry. One more time. A shout of victory. Over his enemies Over my enemies Over my enemies Hey Why 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 God bless you guys. Yeah, give it up for Dominic. Love having him here with us, guys. Thank you, man. Well, let's check out this week's announcements, everybody. Are you competitive? Are you into games? Are you eight years old to 12th grade? Are you available Sunday nights in February? I checkmate. Dude, it's not that deep. I seriously dislike this game. Don't be sore losers. Come to game nights. We have the men's breakfast that takes place the last Saturday of each month. The next men's breakfast is going to be January the 27th at 8 a.m. in the amphitheater. We would love to have you brothers come out to encourage you to grow in your faith. We have a speaker too. We've got a great breakfast burrito. Love to have you brothers. Again, 8 a.m. January 27th. And that's it. Wait a minute. I'm sure these people want to hear about my ballerina days. So I'll be sharing January 27th at 8 a.m. men's breakfast. Come hear my testimony. What? I'm sure you guys want to hear about his ballerina days, am I right? <laughs> well, just for you who may be new, we do have communion set up throughout the sanctuary, and uh, we invite anybody to partake at any time during the service. And if you want to support the ministry here at the Packing House, we do have offering boxes uh, in the sanctuary and also in the foyer. And uh, before Pastor Ed brings a word tonight, we're going to pray. Father God, we thank you. For everything that you're doing in our lives, we ask that you would continue the work that you've started. We know that you are faithful to do so, Lord. We know every day that you're shaping us and molding us to make us more like you. And we come here tonight to learn more of you, to be drawn close to you, to be encouraged. I pray that you'd be with Pastor Ed now as he shares your word that you've given him this week as he's studied and prepared, Lord. You've shown him what you want to speak to our hearts. And I pray that we would allow that word to penetrate and change us tonight, Father. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Terry. That was great. If you grab your Bibles and stand with me, please. We're in Acts chapter 10. 
working our way through scripture verse by verse. 10.23 And then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them. And some brethren from... Just go ahead and turn it down a little, Rich. Some brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I myself also am a man. And as they talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came without objections as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, For what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter, he is lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. And when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. And then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses to all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him, God, raised up on the third day, and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. One more time. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, Jesus, whoever believes in him will receive removal of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of those who heard the word. 
And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been given, poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. Stop there and pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you've left this for us that we might better understand just who you are, King of the Jews and King of the Gentiles and the King of the whole earth. Speak to us now. Give us wisdom and understanding. We ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's children agreed by saying, Amen. You may be seated, please. Well, we're in an interesting pivot in the middle of Scripture, in the middle of this book of Acts. If you're just joining us, the book of Acts is about the Christian church that started in Jerusalem and then began to spread to the whole world. And as we've been going through it, we've seen that there are uh, so many growing pains that happened with the church. First, there in Jerusalem, it started at Pentecost, you'll remember in Acts chapter 2, and, uh, and then short, Peter got up and gave a sermon that led 3,000 people to the Lord. And a few days later, did another one up on the Temple Mount because he and John had healed a man who went was unable to walk, and suddenly he could, and people gathered to see it, and then he preached, and then 2,000 people got saved. And so the church was more than 5,000 people by this time. And then it began to spread out. We saw where it went up to Samaria, and then it, it went down towards Gaza. Uh, and uh, now we're uh, into this section where it's about ready to spread from Jews to Gentiles. Most of those who had been saved, if not all, up to this time, had been Jews. And now it was about to go to those who were not Jews. Now, let me try and explain that real quickly. In biblical times, there were only two groups of people on the earth. There were those who were Jews and those who were not, those who were Gentiles. And basically, Abraham's children had received the promise of the Old Testament, uh, all of what we call as the Old Testament, the law given to the Jews. And then, even through Jesus' ministry, through Galilee and throughout Jerusalem, everybody that was receiving it were Jews because he was a Jew. And now all of a sudden, God is about ready to open the eyes of the apostles, especially Peter, that Gentiles also are to receive salvation. Jesus' work on the cross was bigger than just Jews. So this is a, a, a tipping point of Old Testament to New Testament. Uh, the, the law... Uh, now uh, is being is coming into obsolescence is what the writer of Hebrews said Hebrew 8:13 
Now God says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Ready to vanish away because when Hebrews was written, the temple was still standing, but it was about ready to be destroyed. Titus would come down and destroy it. So this is a, uh, a record of the Holy Spirit falling upon non-Jews for the first time and then opening the eyes of Peter and the rest of the disciples will see that the gospel was to go to the whole earth. Didn't matter what your genetic heritage was or, or what tongue you spoke in or, or any of that. So uh, it's a, a very important section it's talking about obsolescence. Now, uh, according to the dictionary, uh, obsolete means to find something no longer useful, something old-fashioned that was once useful is suddenly becoming less and less useful. Now, that's not really a very complicated idea. Uh, we probably have some 45 records around. If you're old enough, 78s. If you're a little younger, you have eight tracks. Uh, you have bell bottoms that friends of mine still think are gonna come back and they're saving them. Uh, there's uh, a whole uh, section of things that we try and hang on to. They become important in garage sales, you know. Um, so um, I have a friend that has a typewriter that he's put in the living room, it's like the place of honor because he thinks it's so unique. He's younger and thought it was funny that we had these little buttons that we push and then a hammer would come up and put a letter on a page, amazing. So um, sometimes when a new thing doesn't seem to be working right, it's easier to slide back into the old things. Um, but what if that thing is your relationship with God. The way you relate to God and he relates back to you. That's what this is about to uncover. So there's three parts of this section. Um, 24 through 29 is Peter's question, really. Why am I here? Why have I, have I been called to you Gentiles? What, do you, what am I supposed to do now that I'm here? And then Cornelius, you'll, if you were with us last time, he was a Roman uh, officer, a line officer over 100 men, a centurion, and uh, that's uh, 30 through 33, his answer. And then Peter's third sermon here in 34 through 48. Okay, so that's where we're going, and uh, I'll try and create less questions than uh, sometimes you get through areas like this and I cause more questions than I answer. I'm going to try and not do that tonight. So let's jump in and see how it goes. Verse 24. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had been called together his relatives and his close friends. Now, just a reminder, Caesarea was the main Roman uh, capital in Israel. Jerusalem was the religious capital for the Jews, but the seaport was down at Capernaum. 
and you see the half moon bay there. That's where all the ships came in. Uh, on the bottom, you can see the amphitheater, the round one, and then there's a long um, cylinder-shaped one that is actually a hippodrome. That's where the races were. Uh, that's uh, Herod's Palace on the bottom left-hand side going out into the ocean. He had a, a very elaborate castle built. It had swimming pools that had self-cleaning. Uh, every time the, the uh, tide came in, it would push all the old water out from the day before and fresh new salt water would come in. He also had piped hot water coming from some hot springs that were only about half a mile away. So it was a pretty elaborate capital and in a beautiful setting. It's here that Cornelius, this Roman centurion, began to pray. He began to seek for God. He was not a Jew. He was uh, over the Italian regiment, a very prestigious Roman uh, regiment that were, as it sounds, all Italian natives. And uh, he was quite wealthy, it seems. He has servants, and he is, uh, sounds like, one of the commanders in this city of uh, Caesarea. So he has been praying and asking God to send someone. At the same time, Peter is 30 miles south in the city of Joppa, and uh, Joppa was of uh, the Israeli port, and uh, he was there in the home of a tanner, a man who worked with hides and leather goods. And uh, it was there, it, it, if you were here last time, we uh, watched him, uh, Peter, go up on the roof because he was hungry, it was lunchtime, and, and uh, he... He fell into a trance. Uh, that's all we know, uh, whether he was awake or asleep. Like some of you do on Saturday night. You're kind of in a trance right now, a couple of you. So, uh, but he was uh, able to uh, see this sheet that came down that was filled with unclean animals, uh, unclean in the sense of the Old Testament dietary laws for Jews, they couldn't eat like bottom feeders, shellfish, couldn't eat pork and those various things. And when it came down, God said to him, take up Peter, kill and eat. And he said, no, no, no way. Because I am a Jew, I, I, I've never touched an, an unclean thing to eat. Three times that message came. And it turns out that that was not so much about just the dietary laws, but the entire Old Testament law that was really focused on Jews because they were to be a light to the Gentiles in the world. Okay, so now Peter has come up with some men from the centurion to Caesarea and uh, and when he gets there, he finds there's a large crowd inside 
Cornelius' house, and Cornelius seems to be waiting outside for him. He, he wanted to be the first to meet him. Verse 25, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and then fell down at his feet and worshiped him. So in one sense, you can't really blame Cornelius. He was raised in a pagan culture that deified Caesar, and Caesar claimed to be God, right? So, um, but Peter's reaction is very important here. Verse 26, <coughs> but Peter lifted him up, grabbed him by the arms evidently, and picked him up. And he said, stand up. I myself am also a man. Anthropos is the Greek word he says, which is really, I'm only human just like you. He says to this Roman line officer, stand up, I myself am a man. That's strange to me because I grew up in a church where people still worship Peter, even though he had this strong reaction Stay back. If you would go to the Vatican in Rome and go into St. Peter's Cathedral, you would see that statue. That's a bronze that was made in the 13th century. And people go in and they go up to it on their knees and they kiss his right foot. And they have been kissing it for... 800 years until notice that there are no toes any longer there. That's a lot of lips, okay? So pilgrims have come and come up and kiss Peter's foot. And, and I know the answer is what, what they need is a tow truck because they're, they're all gone now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. And... Um, this uh, statue is uh, receiving the very thing Peter's trying to stop here in the verses we're looking at. And like I said, it, it goes on to this day. So many have come there. Um, probably ought to send Peter back sometime and have him stand next to his his statue and say the same thing he just said to Cornelius. Stand up, I'm just a man. Now, Peter and John ran into this same problem when um, the lame man was healed on the Temple Mount. In Acts 3, 12, it says, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or goodness, we made this man walk? Barnabas and Paul will have the same problem when they go to Lystra in Acts chapter 14. We'll get to it in a few months. Saying, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all the things. In. The message is simple. Worship God. Don't worship people. There's a corollary to that, which is don't take the credit for something God does 
through you. Make sure you give the credit to God. Um, pretty headsy stuff when people start telling you what a wonderful man of God or a wonderful woman of God you are. And the problem is that sometimes we're tempted to believe it. Don't do it. <laughs> we have, a, have that problem built in here. Um, I, I prayed for a lady a few weeks ago came down and, and she uh, had a biopsy done and she asked that God would make it negative and I just prayed for her and, and she left and, and the, the following Sunday she came back and uh, said, Pastor Ed, it's, a, it, it's amazing, it's a miracle. Uh, the, the doctor said there wasn't any cancer there uh, and, and you, you laid your hands on me and prayed for me. You need to do it again. So, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I, God built this thing in here that, that's really funny to me. We have our trash picked up on uh, Fridays and so I take the trash out and uh, put it in the dumpster and uh, I tried this with my wife the other day. She said, uh, honey, uh, the trash man's coming, would you take the trash out? And I said, these hands, they're holy. <laughs> Didn't work. And I brought the trash can back in off the curb on Monday, so. Uh, but there's a danger there when somebody uh, tells you what a wonderful man or woman of Christ you are and just say, no, no, you, you have no idea. I'm just an idiot like everybody else. Verse 27, and he talked with him and he went in and found many who had come together. So Peter's going into this kind of like a Bible study at Cornelius's house. The house sounds like it's overflowed with both soldiers as well as relatives of Cornelius. And he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go in to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Uh, Peter's talking to non-Jewish men. There's a whole house full of non-Jews. It's unlawful for me to be here talking to you, is what he said. Well, the Jews were, had to be careful in the Old Testament law, uh, but it, it doesn't say in the Bible that they shouldn't have any relationships with non-Jews. But the Pharisees took it to the point where when they would walk down the streets in Jerusalem, they would pull their robes in close so that no Gentile walking by would touch their robes because they thought if an if unclean Gentile touched their robe, they had to go back home and take a mikvah again, a, a bath, and change their clothes because they'd been contaminated. Now, that is not in the Bible. But that's what was added in the Mishnah, what the rabbis said that you needed to do. And what that did is it created in Jews' minds this idea of superiority, Jewish pride. And 
some to this day still struggle with that. That there are very conservative Jews in Israel that still have that mindset. But you can see how it sets you up when somebody tells you how holy you are or what a wonderful man or woman of God you are. And Peter just said, no, 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 run from that. Jesus was accused of this in uh, Mark 2.17. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw Jesus eating with, his, with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard it, and he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. Those who are sick, but those who are sick do. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Peter's in this mindset of Jewish pride, and God is going to break that here as we watch. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? Peter doesn't know why he's there. All he knows is he's on the roof and this uh, collection of wild animals come down in a sail and God says, take it and eat. And then right after that, these guys came from Cornelius' house. So he doesn't know why he's, he's 30 miles uh, north now in Caesarea. And, uh, and that's encouraging because things happen to you and I because we're in process too. None of us have arrived in the body of Christ. And many times God asks you and me to do things that we don't know why we're doing it we're just trying to be obedient. And I just went through that two weeks ago with Pastor Greg when we went to Israel. I, I didn't really know why I was supposed to go. I just knew I was supposed to until I got there. And then I saw things that I will be marked for the rest of my life. Um, so the point is, don't expect to know everything in detail about why God is asking you to do something. Talk to a person, go somewhere. Just expect to do it, and then you may find out later, it might be weeks or months or even years later, why you went and did something. God doesn't usually give us all the reasons. At least he doesn't me. Don't be surprised if God tell, fills in the blank as you go. And that's what's happening to Peter here. So Peter's question, why did you send for me? Now, second section, Cornelius' answer, verse 30. And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour, so it's three o'clock in the afternoon, which is the time that uh, Jews always prayed, because that's when the evening sacrifice was being done in the temple, so he was praying at three in the afternoon. Again, he, he's not a Jew. He's just trying to find his way to God. He's a very religious man, but he's not a Jew. 
not a proselyte. He hasn't been converted. He said, until this hour, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. Now, he doesn't say he's an angel, but we understand that because the word he uses for bright is the Greek word for shimmering. That it's like lightning coming off the garments. of the. It's just your standard angel wear, but uh, he'd never seen one before. So it is... Uh, standard uniform for an angel. Uh, so he said, I was praying, and uh, God is going to answer this prayer. It seems to be a prayer that he asked over and over again. I'll show you that in the next verse. Verse 31. And said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And there's a definite article there that you can't even see in English, but it's um, your special prayer, the one that you keep praying over and over again. I, do you have one of those? I, I have had several of them in my walk over the years. Uh, I, I've had a prayer that God would change this valley. A million people here that don't go to church anywhere. A million people between the Banning Pass and about Rialto. And so for it, it's a big prayer, right? It's huge. I'm not praying that they, there's not room for all of them here, obviously, but that all the churches in this valley would preach the gospel clearly enough that we'd see a conversion that would happen here in Southern California. So I'm encouraging you to, to have a prayer that's yours, that isn't going to be answered right away, but that you prayed over a long period of time. I've been praying that prayer for more than 20 years. And that's evidently the thing that's going on with Cornelius. His prayer has been heard. Wow. Wouldn't you like to have an angel come at your house and tell you that? Hey, Ed, your prayer's been heard. Your alms or your good deeds are remembered in the sight of God. God heard his prayers, and he's letting him know. Verse 32. Send, therefore, to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. So he's explaining to Peter why he sent for him. This angel shows up with this guy in shining clothing, and he said, send some men down to Joppa, 30 miles to the south, and find a man who named Simon, whose surname, his first name, is Peter. He is lodging in the house of another guy named Simon, a tanner, by the sea. Um, and when he comes, he will speak to you. So he's recounting the angel's commands, really. And so I sent you immediately, verse 33, and you have done well. It's good that you have come. Now, therefore... We are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. That's what Cornelius is saying to Peter. We all came and we're just hanging on your words. Speak to us. He says something really important here. He says, we are all here before God. 
That's an interesting piece of theology that is very correct. He evidently has been reading Psalm 139, and, and David wrote that, and he said, where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Where can I go from your presence? If I go to the uttermost parts of the earth, you are still there. Your thoughts are with me, and you are in front of me. God is present. Now, some people misunderstand that, and they think that God is in everything, that he's in the rock and he's in the tree. No, that's not what that is saying. The Apostle Paul said the same thing when he was on Mars Hill in, uh, in Athens, where all the Greek philosophers were. And he, was, uh, he said, I saw over there uh, that you have an a altar built to an unknown God. God has sent me here to tell you who that unknown God is. He is the creator of all the earth. And in him, we breathe and we move and we have our being. And that blew the philosophers' minds in Athens. Because what he was saying was, everything is before God. You are before God, I am before God, at this very moment. What? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense unless you've studied physics and understand something called dimensions. I, I'm, I'm here visible to you in three dimensions. Height, width, and depth from here to the back wall. There's a fourth dimension called time. But what Paul was saying at Mars Hill, and really what Cornelius is saying here, is we are all before God. God is right here, right now. I can't see him, you can't see him. He's in a different dimension. But everything in our life is in front of him. When you get a hold of this idea, you'll live your life differently. Because everything I do and say, I realize God is right here right here <laughs> and uh and i don't mean in a scary way in a really positive way i don't have to go out and seek for him and go find a quiet place and say lord can you hear me <laughs> and he's going i'm right here ed <laughs> you're in my throne room right now so he said we are here and uh and god is here we are in god's presence So I sent for you immediately, and you have done well. It's good that you came. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to call all the things commanded you to hear. Excuse me, all the things commanded by God for you to speak to us. So um, what he said in the Greek here is that we all have ears to hear. 16 times Jesus said, if you, those who have ears to hear, let him hear what I'm saying. Not just the words, but that, not just your tympanic membranes rattling inside your, ear, your eardrums rattling, but that you would focus on what you hear and you would try and assimilate it, try and take it in. Think about it, not just at this moment, but take in 
and then think about it tonight, pray about it tonight or something. So much of what we're going to see happen at Cornelius' house comes from this very fact that, that these people are ready to hear from God. That's what he's saying. We're all here gathered because we want to learn from you, Lord. I hope you came this evening with that same motive. 34, and Peter opened his mouth and he said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, that God is not prejudiced, is what he's saying. Now, this is a Jew, and he's in front of a room full of Gentiles, and this is a breakthrough moment for Peter in his Jewish pride, right? So, this is uh, an aha moment for Peter. Oh, now I see, Lord, that all those animals that came down in the vision you gave me, you were really talking about people of the earth, all different nations, all different tribes, all different tongues. In Acts 10, 14, he said, now Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had just seen meant. He, he didn't understand it at first. Um, and, and then he thought on it, says in uh, verse 28, God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. And uh, in Acts 10, 34, he said, of a truth, I now perceive, I, I have it, I see. And then he, catamen bail is the Greek word, it's kind of a fun word, but it means I, I, I've laid a hold of it, I've grasped it, now I see. God is no respecter of persons. It, it's an interesting Greek word. It means uh, God doesn't perceive a person's face as different. Um, it, he literally said, I see that God receives everyone's face. It, it doesn't matter whether you, you uh, have dark black hair and a large nose and look very Jewish, or you have uh, uh, yellow skin and you're Asian, and, and God doesn't see that. And, and we're not supposed to either. We're supposed to just see people as people. Um, so, God is looking at people's hearts, not at the external. Now, that's not a new thought, but for Peter, he's just learned to apply it in his day, in his first century. I mean, you work your way back through Scripture, um, and uh, you remember... Uh, that Samuel was sent to Bethlehem to find a new king to replace Saul. And he goes to the house of Jesse, and Jesse has seven sons. And he said, uh, I'm, I'm supposed to anoint a son. Uh, send me your best son. And so he calls in the oldest son. The oldest son comes in, and he's tall and handsome and strapping, good-looking, and, and, uh, and he says, yep, this is the guy. And he starts to anoint him, and God stops him. And he said, no, Samuel, you're looking on the outward part. I'm looking at the heart. There it is. God is looking at the heart. 
And he works his way down through all seven brothers or six. And then the last one, he said, surely you got to have another son. He said, ah, there's just a red-haired runt out in back taking care of the sheep. And he's talking about David, and he gets anointed, of course. So, um, Deuteronomy 10, 17, for the, God, for the Lord your God is God of Lord of Lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who shows no partiality. So Peter should have known that, but he hadn't applied it to his day-to-day life. Um, seven, or Second Chronicles 19.7, Wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it, for there's no inequity with the Lord, nor is he a respecter of persons. So over and over, Job said, let the God, um, yet the God is not partial to princes, nor does he regard the rich more than the poor. So on and on, God is saying, but Peter is just now getting that God doesn't see male or female, national origin, Greek or Jew or English or Japanese, birth, native or immigrant, athletic ability or lack of it, um, height, weight, age, reading comprehension or the lack of it, external beauty, musical giftedness, voice quality, hair length, eye color, God doesn't see any of those things. Well, what does he see? He sees your heart. And he knows that our heart is deceitfully wicked. But he looks for that. That's what Jeremiah, he told Jeremiah. My heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? The Lord. The Lord your God knows your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and, I, and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me, and you will find me, When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, saith the Lord. So that's God's feeling about our heart, even though we know that it has all kinds of twists and turns in it. He still is looking for us to come to him with our heart. God shows no partiality. But in every nation, verse 35, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Now, in, in the Greek language, the, the word for nation or nations is ethnic. Sound familiar? Ethnos. Ethnic, we say in English. So it doesn't matter what ethnicity you have. All Gentiles and all Jews are welcomed by God. It's a radical change for Peter. Peter doesn't mean that men like Cornelius were already right with God, but he he sees that God doesn't look at them through their natural background. 36, and the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord, master, ruler of all. Now, 
This is Peter's sermon. It's his third sermon. It's only 10 lines long. It is beautiful. You need to just read it by itself. A fourth grader could give it, but it brings salvation to the Gentiles for the first time. It's a summary of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. So, verse 37, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all of Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. That word is near to you. That's, that's what Paul wrote in the book of Romans. Listen, um, Romans 10.8. The word that is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. With the heart, one believes to rightness. It's not by your actions. It's by trusting what Jesus did on the cross for you. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, and we are witnesses. Peter says, I saw this of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Now, remember, he's talking to Roman soldiers. They were the ones that actually crucified Jesus physically with nails and hammers and whatnot. So imagine what they're hearing. Yes, we killed him. And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. We are all witnesses. Verse 40, him God raised up on the third day, resurrection, and showed him openly. This Jesus died and then rose again. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. We had lunch with him, you'll remember, at the Sea of Galilee. We had honeycomb and we had fish. He was not a spirit. It was his body. He had been risen from the dead. That's what he's saying. We saw it. I saw him with my own two eyes. I touched him. We are all witnesses to these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem, whom they killed on a tree. God raised him up on the third day, showed him openly, verse 41, not to all people, but to the witnesses chosen by him, verse 42. And he commanded, he commissioned us to preach the good news, to preach to the people, to proclaim to the people, and to testify it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Peter's explanation of the work and the, and the person of Jesus Christ. To him, verse 43, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission, removal of sins, 
So this message is only 10 lines. It's got 10 points. They are, number one, Jesus was baptized in identification with all of humanity. Number two, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit with power. Number three, Jesus went about doing good, healing and delivering those oppressed by the devil. Number four, Jesus did this with the power of God, for God was with him. Number five, Jesus did these things in the presence of eyewitnesses. Number six, he was crucified. Number seven, raised from the dead, resurrected in view of many witnesses. Number eight, Jesus commanded his followers to preach the message of who he is and what he did to you and me. Number nine, Jesus is ordained by God to be the judge of the entire world. Number 10, Jesus is the one foretold by all the prophets in the Bible. Now, Peter isn't finished, and, and he's going to go on, and we, we'll look at it next time. And, and while Peter was still speaking these words, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard this word. Holy Spirit fell on these Gentiles, just like the Holy Spirit fell on those Jews on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. That's why this is called the Gentile Pentecost. It, it's not on the day of Pentecost, but it's the Holy Spirit falling on them just like he did for the Jews. And those of the circumcision, those Jews who had come up with Peter, who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on all the Gentiles also. For they heard them, verse 46, speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as we have? So Peter is a changed man. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay for a few days. So, baptism is only a sign that, the, that God has already done something in you. But here's this picture of equality, of non-prejudice. The Jews and Gentiles are the same before God and everything in between. And, and it's just a strong statement for a man who has been living under the law all his life. Peter uh, thought the way to be right with God was to do religious things, go to the synagogue, read his Bible, uh, give uh, to the poor, uh, all these acts of religious service and God has broken through to him and he sees that it's belief that Jesus died on the cross and that's why these Gentiles are so astounding to him because they believe just like the 120 people did and then the 3,000 on Pentecost. So uh, let me try and close all that up with a uh, an example of a woman who was very religious, kind of like Cornelius. I've been, um, uh, several years ago, 
I was speaking in England and I, I walked into an old bookstore and there was a copy of, of the Journal of John Wesley. He was a, 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 an English reformer in, the, in 1703 he was born. But he writes in it about his mother, Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley uh, died in 1742 and she was the 25th of 25 children. Um, and she decided that she didn't want to have that many kids, so she stopped at 19. <laughs> uh, had 19 kids, and two of them are John and Charles Wesley. Well, um, her father, Dr. Samuel Ansley, uh, was a dissenter from the established Church of England. And, and so she... Uh, at the age of 13, she taught herself, get this, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin so she could read the scriptures. They weren't available in English yet. And, uh, and she uh, disagreed with her father leaving the Anglican church, and so she started going to the Anglican church at 13. And um, she married a pastor named Samuel Wesley, who was John and Charles Wesley's father, had 19 children, nine of whom lived. Give you an idea of what it was like raising in, in England. But she um, homeschooled all 19 kids, and every night, after six hours of school and then dinner, she would spend an hour with each one of her kids and answer all the questions they had. This is like super mom, okay? Um, she practiced daily devotions throughout her life, but shortly before her death, she wrote to her son Charles, admitting that she was struggling with doubt throughout her life. She had heard John and Charles both preaching on the necessity of being born again. But this bothered her very much because the Anglican Church did not hold that concept. And she went to talk with the priest over and over again, and she couldn't find satisfaction. But she was still going to this Anglican Church. And in that particular denomination, you come forward to receive communion. And, uh, and then the, the Anglican priest uh, gives you the, the bread and says these words, the body, and then gives a cup, the body and blood of Jesus Christ shed for the remission of your sins. And suddenly, Susanna Wesley heard that for the first time even though she's been receiving communion over and over again. The remission, Jesus died, his blood was shed to remove your sins. She took it in for the first time. And she turned, she quote, she wrote, excuse me, saving faith, a full reliance on the blood of Jesus Christ for me. This formerly religious woman finally knew she was converted when her heart was changed by Jesus. Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you, will, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's God's promise to all of us, no matter what our ethnic background is or our education or anything else. Would you stand, please? And we'll pray together. Thank you, Lord.
that you have uh, called us out of darkness into light and you want us to see who you are and the remission of sins that are available to all of us because of your death on a cross. Uh, most of us in this room know that, Lord, and we thank you for it. But we pray for anyone here this evening that isn't walking with you, Lord, and ask that you give them the grace to surrender. Christians, please pray. So I wonder if there's someone here this evening that God has been speaking to you about your own sins. And maybe you consider yourself a religious person, maybe not. But this is your opportunity to ask him to forgive your sins based upon what he did, not upon what you do. We won't do anything to embarrass you, but if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that you're going to spend eternity with God, if you're ready to surrender your life to him, would you let me know you're ready by looking up at me and raising your hand? I won't do anything to embarrass you. I'll just, God bless you. I'll just acknowledge you. Anybody else God is speaking to about surrendering and giving him your life? All right. Well, just the one of you then. Would you please pray too? Thank you. Would you please pray with the rest of us, the two of you? And we're going to ask God to forgive our sins, and he's going to hear and change you right where you are. Everybody, please say out loud, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless the two of you. We'd encourage you to go over to that double door right there. Some of our elves are there. We'd love to give you a Bible and pray for you. For the rest, God bless you. Give somebody a hug before you go home.